Hey guys, how you doing? JP Sari Kolia here, and welcome again to another episode of Age of Heroes, my podcast. And I'm telling you, this has been an adventure. I know I haven't uploaded a podcast, an episode in quite some time. It's been a while, as many of you know, and I mentioned this before. Uh, I've been, uh, I started to work at a regular job, you know, going at nine to five, which actually is eight to five. And I got to go to work, get the stuff done, you know, office work and, you know, also dealing with clients. So it's a lot of stuff. And sometimes I have to work from home, but mainly now I'm working at a location and dealing with a lot of clients. So it's it's been it's been good. I will tell you that for those who are unfamiliar with that, maybe you haven't heard it. Maybe you um, never had. I yeah, never really. I don't think I don't I'm, at this point. I'm not sure if I shared this here, but I know I shared it in my main channel and my social media uh, on JP Sari on Instagram. I know I've talked about it. I know I talk about, it, of course, on Facebook, all of those places. So I will tell you, if you don't follow me there, just follow me there in the description. You will find the links to my Facebook page, uh, also, you know, HO Heroes podcast, but also you have the JP Sari reviews page, also on Instagram. I have different, I have a lot of different pages now. It's just amazing. And at the same time, it's hard to keep up with everything. Also on Twitter, that's where you can find me. And I've been doing some videos. I've been trying to get back on on the videos on the on the main channel, JP Sauer Reviews, doing some talking about collectibles, talking about this, reviewing that. It's it's just I try to find the time, which is not an easy thing. I will tell you that it's not easy to find the time, just to you know to have the time, just to separate the time from my busy schedule, just to do the things that I need to do. But I love to do these things. And I'm telling you, when I'm at work, when I'm dealing with clients, when I'm doing everything that I have to do, when I'm working in my computer, everything. My first thought is always, man, I wish I was home or I wish I was on my desk making videos, talking to people because I love to do this. It's something that I enjoy very deeply. It's something that is engraved in who I am as a person. It's it's something that I enjoy. You know, I'm a geek by nature. I love my geeky world. I love to talk about comics. I love, I love to talk about anything that has to do with any franchise, anything that I grew up, you know, the books that I read, the comics that I read, the movies that I watch, the collectibles I collect, all of those things. To me, it's an important part of who I am. You know, you can talk to me about all those things, man. I, I can have a conversation all day long. I can last all night long, too, talking about those things. I prefer to talk about those things than sports. And not saying that I don't like sports because I do like sports. When I was a teenager, I play a lot of sports. But as I got older, it's like, man, you know, it's not my thing as much. You know, like I know I can I can go uh, in jobs, previous jobs that I was working. You know, people like to talk about sports. And to me, it's like, whatever. It doesn't really mean much to me as I used to do or as I did when I was younger. It just doesn't matter to me. I, I just love to talk about other things. And definitely my world is, is you know, and the, the, the good thing about it is that there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way as I do. So it's not like you feel alone. I can talk about gaming. I can talk about all those things that really matter. So in today's episode, now that we have this introduction, I want to talk about something that has really struck me this week. I've been thinking about it and it, it's something that I totally, I can relate. And I feel that some people, some of you will be able to relate and I hope everyone can relate, but ultimately I know some people will feel more compelled about today's episode than anything else. And uh, as I mentioned, um, you know, like I am Hispanic. Many of you know that. Maybe maybe you don't didn't know that. I, some people sometimes don't realize that. And, you know, I have a funny accent. So that tells you that 
there's something different about me and uh, I am proud to be who I am. I'm proud to be. I am. I consider myself Mexican because I was born in Mexico. I was raised in my childhood in Mexico. Uh, I lived many years in Mexico. However, um, I am not fully Mexican in the sense that I am Mexican national. I was born in Mexico. But um, I am. Um, my parents are from different places. My my dad actually is Mexican, blue, you know, full blooded in some ways. Um, although you know he this background, you know, history background uh, where we come from and stuff like that. But he loves Mexico. He's like that's his country. That's who he is. Uh, my mother, she's from Honduras, uh, which is and surprising. Some people don't even know where that is. It's Central America. But my mother was born in Honduras. Her father was from El Salvador and. You know, the thing about being Hispanic, and I wanted to talk about it today because we're celebrating, of course, we're in the middle of Hispanic Hispanic Heritage Month, which to me is a great celebration to celebrate the Hispanic roots in this country and to celebrate people in this country that can trace their roots back to Latin America or to the Hispanic world, because also we consider that uh, Spain and everything that has to do with Latin America. So we can trace our roots back to in history to those countries or, you know, and we could be Hispanic Americans have been part of this landscape of this country for generations. Uh, Many Hispanics have been in this country even before the U.S. was formed as the U.S. Even the country was declared a country uh, when it was just a colony. Even before that, there were already Spaniards, you know, there were already people here in this land and in the what is now known, of course, as the lands of California and places like that, there were already conquistadors living there or people moving there. And the history of our, our, of our culture, Hispanic culture, has been so engraved in the, in the way the world, this country is in so many different ways that sometimes people don't realize it and people don't see it. Also, depending where you're from, what part of the country you live in, but other parts of the country where you go and you're going to see Hispanic culture is just so engraved in that in the landscape. It's so engraved in the life lifestyle, in the food, and the people, and the in the color, and the things that have you know the la- you know even in the not only the landscape but also in the architecture. So it's it's so engraved in the culture of this nation, and I am proud of that as a Mexican American, as a person that um, you know was born in Mexico, have lived most of my life in the U.S. Well, I would say more than half of my life in the U.S. I love this country. I love to be part of this nation. I love to be another piece in the puzzle that is America, the United States, because I know some people, particularly in Latin America, they take offense when you say America with referring to the U.S. Because, uh, you know, this is the funny thing. You know, this is the, the great thing about being, uh, living in another country, uh, going to school in other countries, that you are taught the values and you're taught the mindset of that country. That was the good thing about living in Mexico as a kid is that I went to Mexican schools and in Mexican schools, they teach history from the perspective of Mexicans, from the perspective of Mexico. And when you come to the U S the way you're taught in school here is very different. It's just from the perspective of America, of Americans, American culture, American history. And of course, you know, American is always defined by people depending on their perspective. So Americans define culture and define history in a different way the way they see certain events is very different than the way Mexicans see certain events. And that happens also with other countries in Latin America. I remember when we were taught in school back in Mexico about, uh, you know, in this case, the American invasion, that's what it's called, 
when the U.S. invaded Mexico twice and the history, how our people fought and ultimately they won, but they didn't won initially. So the American wars, and in this case, the Mexican-American war is being is, is presented in the books in a very different light and the way that it's presented in the U.S. You know, it's totally different. And unfortunately, even in America, many Americans don't even know that there was a Mexican-American uh, war, um, which is amazing. But to us in Mexico, as a kid, it was a big deal. It's part of our history, part of our celebration, part of the things that we do, part of the pride Mexicans take uh, about the different invasions and wars that Mexico had to confront, like the French War, where Cinco de Mayo initiated the, the celebration. And of course, in America, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo in a very different way. But it was in reality, and some people even think that's Independence Day for Mexico, but it was. it is not. It is actually the celebration of the Battle of Puebla, which is the battle between um, you know, Mexico against uh, Fr French invaders. They won that battle, but ultimately they lost that war for a few years until uh, after a year after the French were pretty much repulsed out of the country. But the thing is this, um, I am proud of who I am. I am proud of being Mexican. I am proud of my heritage as a Mexican. I am proud of my heritage as a Honduran, Salvadorian from my mother's side. I have a lot of family in this country, uh, many families that came even before I was born. So technically, I'm a second generation now. Um, and, and this family, they have planted the roots. So I have family born here, cousins born here. Many of my family members have made those roots here. And I have more family than I've, you know, I would ever imagine uh, in the sense that, you know, because my mother was in Mexico, you know, I didn't get that relationship as close with my family from Honduras. You know, we traveled to Honduras when I was a kid a couple of times. I was a kid. And it was funny going to Honduras because my cousins, they look at me strange and they kind of make fun of my accent. They said, here's my Mexican cousin. And they try to, they ask me to talk to them because of course they have a different accent. People that do not know or do not understand that, or they have an experience or they don't understand languages or they speak Spanish or they are fluent in Spanish, for them, you know, Spanish is just all the same, but it is not. There are differences. The same way in America, we English is very different from Britain or from Australians speak very differently. Uh, the English that is, is spoken in Jamaica or in the islands of the Caribbean, the Caribbean, they're very different. You know, they're super different. You know, you and South Africans they speak very differently. Their accents, even their original accents here in America, where people from the West. People from the Southwest speak very different from the people in the South. And it depends on what part of the South, because people are in Georgia, which is next door to me. I'm in South Carolina. They speak very differently. So if you really pay attention, you know the differences. From up North, people from New York speak very different from people from Pennsylvania, from Boston. There's the different accents depending where you're from. So the same rule applies, you know, with Hispanic. In Spanish, you know, Spanish speakers speak differently. They have different slangs. They have different accent, different way, way to communicate, different expressions. So it was funny when I used to go there because my cousins were like, man, speak to us. Tell us this in Spanish. You know, act like a Mexican. Which I am a Mexican. But they were funny because they were kids. But um, I never had the opportunity to, to know much about it, um, to know much about that part of me or who I am as a person. Because, you know, it, it was not something that I was surrounded by on a daily basis. Only on Christmas time or every time that I used to go every couple of years, we visited. And that was about it. And I didn't know about much about my family there. Um, I didn't know much about that, you know, part of my family. I have a long family because my grandfather also had other family. Long story. Uh, in El Salvador. And, 
you know, because if you have been in Central America, it's a very, it's very small country. Some of them are even smaller than a state in the United States. Very small, all next to each other. Uh, and it's very small, beautiful. Uh, Central America is a beautiful area. Beautiful, you know, there's beautiful mountains, beautiful jungles, beautiful lakes, a lot of lakes. And, you know, the sea is nice. The people are nice. The food is nice. Uh, but um, all these diff different countries, um, they have political differences as well. And my mother, grew, uh, as I remember, she told me there was a war between Honduras and El Salvador back in the, I think, the 60s or something like that, or the 50s or 60s. It was a 10-year war where, uh, because Central America is so small, people travel and they commute technically from country to country to live in different countries. There were a lot of Salvadorans living in Honduras. And because of the war, they have to leave. So my grandfather had to leave the country for 10 years. So, you know, whatever happened in Salvador is whatever happened in El Salvador. I think he had another family. The thing is this, you know, I'm not as familiar with a lot of the aspects that happen in Central America. I'm more familiar with my family in Mexico because, you know, from my dad's side, because we live in the same town. Many of my family, my grandma, my grandfather, my uncles, my cousins on the Mexican side, they were there. And... You know, so I'm more familiar with that. And I consider myself more Mexican, even though sometimes even my wife says, well, you're part Honduran. And it's true. I am Honduran, too. But to me, the Mexican side has always been stronger in the sense that it is the culture that I know. Now, I'm bringing this up today because I was thinking about it. Um, uh, you know, I was watching or I was reading, actually. I was going through Facebook and I saw a post recently of Linda Carter where she is taking pride of her Mexican roots. He's talking about her mother being Mexican. Uh, her father was, of course, white. So she's taking pride of her Mexican roots, you know, growing up in a house with, with mixed heritage. And in some ways, I have this mixed heritage because just because I'm Mexican and my mother's Honduran doesn't mean that I'm fully Mexican. And it means that I have mixed roots as well. Uh, and I embrace that part of me and she's embracing it. She's talking about embracing it and talking about it. And of course, people, some people didn't even know that she was part Mexican. And which is funny because people say, well, I'm a big fan and I never knew. In my mind, I'm thinking I knew this since I was a kid. Because it, I remember back in growing up, even in Mexico, people talk about it because she talked about it. She had interviews where she talked about it, you know, in Spanish. She talks Spanish. She speaks Spanish, not the best in the best way. She's not fluent, but she speaks it. And she talked about it and they talk about it in the magazines. And it was a thing about pride for a lot of us in Mexico to know that somebody, it was in Hollywood, doing a, being a famous actress, doing this TV show, uh, Wonder Woman, La Mujer Maravilla. And people were in love with her. One of the most beautiful women in the world. I think she's, she's super beautiful and she still is. After, you know, she's right now up in age, but she's still a beautiful woman. And we took pride of that. It was surprised that people didn't know that. And, uh, and to be honest with you, that's the part where sometimes people, and there were people, of course, arguing about it, saying, well, that she had done that early on in her life, that she could just take a stand. People trying to make a political statement out of it. And I think at the end of the day, who we are is more than just a political statement. I know some people always walk around with a chip on their shoulder about whatever happens with the race or whatever happened in, in their background. And I think we all been through that. I, as a Mexican-American, as a person that lived in the U.S. for a long time, I'm telling you, the early years of my life here in America were difficult in the sense that I come from Mexico, where in reality, uh, the history of Mexico is very, very, in some ways, is, is tricky. Um, back in the 50s, back in the 40s, actually, 
Mexico started in the 30s to 40s. Mexico after the Mexican Revolution that happens in the in the early 10s or the 20s, whatever. Um, Mexico went into a campaign to try to erase the race line because of course Mexico came from a background of a lot of uh, there's a lot of natives, a lot of people that were there, but also there was a lot of racism and a lot of things that were happening. So Mexico came into this campaign to trying to erase the lines of race. So it was a nationalistic time about teaching people to be fully Mexican. It was like the idea, we are Mexican, we embrace our Mexican roots, and that's all that matters. And to be honest, I'm okay with that in some way. However, when you start erasing the lines of race, which some people want to do the same here in America, say, well, we shouldn't just separate ourselves in races because people want us to divide us. So they want to divide us, and the way they do it is just by separating us in race. And it's true, it's true. I'm not saying that race can be a double-edged sword. But at the same time, I speaking from my experience growing up in Mexico, in the sense that because there was no race, in reality, people considered themselves all Mexican. We're all Mexican. We embrace the, the national view of this country. But in doing so, we also erase our background and where we come from and our past. So in many ways, many Mexicans, they call themselves Mexicans. But they don't know who they are. They don't know where they come from. They don't know where their ancestors come from. Because when you go to Mexico, you haven't been in there, in any Latin American country, you're going to see that not all everyone looks the same. People are so different. You know, people can be very light and light skin. They can be very dark. People can be look Asian or people can be white, like super white, like blue eyes, green eyes, all of that, blonde. So there's this landscape of people. They're all different. But... Growing up in Mexico, and I'm using that experience because that's my experience in Mexico, and I know it happens all around Latin America, people call themselves and they take pride of their national roots in the sense that we are born in this country, we are this. However, when you take in that, you are also erasing the history of where we come from and also the reasons to understand us as we behave. Because just because we're all Mexican in Mexico doesn't mean that we're not different. And I'm telling you this, when I was a kid, I used to live in this in this town, which is very popular, famous as a place of entry point. It was a port in the southern part of Mexico where everything, every person that came since World War II, a lot of immigrants came, whether it was Jewish, whether it was Spanish, running away from the wars in, in Europe, uh, Arabs. You know, a lot of people were coming to this country, Lebanese, and from the same town where uh, Salma Hayek uh, was born. So it's an immigrant town. There were Asians, there were Chinese, there were Koreans, there were Japanese people, uh, Japanese descent. However, because our culture and our schools had taught us not to push that identity. So people didn't call themselves Japanese American or there were no Chinese American, uh, in this Chinese Mexican or Japanese Mexican or anything. None of that. All I knew that some of my friends were different because I, when I used to go to their homes, and we used to go and eat together, or do homework together. I used to play with them together. Some of my friends, their grandparents were Japanese or Asian. I didn't know the difference back then. So they were Korean or they were Chinese, and they speak the language between them. But among the kids, we all speak Spanish. And I knew there was something different with their last name. But the kids didn't even know much about their culture because school stripped them from that identity. Because going to school meant that we were all one part of the thing. And ultimately, it, it, and I know that in some ways it's trying to reinforce the mentality of who we are as people. But at the same time, it fails to understand that people are people. And no matter where we go, no matter, no matter the circumstances, no matter where we live, no matter what country we're born or the citizenship we have, 
at the end of the day, we're still the product and the byproduct of our circumstances and the past. And the, our DNA is so engraved in us that it determines the way we see the world in so many ways. Recently, I did a DNA test. I wanted to do it for a long, long time. I wanted to know who I am because in many ways, I know I'm Mexican. I know that. I'm proud of it. I know that I'm part Honduran and Salvadorian. I'm proud of it. I know that my last name, you know, sorry, Coleas, is not a common last name. It comes from the Basque country. It's a Basque name. Only my family shares that name. But beyond that, I do not know much about it because, you know, there are no records of how we came to be. And being Mexican, it's just, it's a weird thing in the sense that there's so much stuff that you do not know about who you are, where you come from. But I wanted to know more about me. I wanted to know, really know more about me. Because that's what being Hispanic, it's not about just being a race. People think Hispanic is a race. No, it's not. It's an ethnicity, but in so many ways, it's not even that. It's just a combination of so many races that bring who we are as people. So I did a DNA test, which I was, I'm proud of it. I'm happy with it. And I was so surprised about the results. Doing the results, I came to realize, I came to know that, you know, what I kind of suspected, you know, I, and I was surprised about this. I'm 49% native. Um, it doesn't specify because there's no records that kind of go for, for as far as to tell you what tribe you are from. And it's hard to tell because I don't even know it's from my father's and my mother's. I know it's from both sides, but I don't know how the degree. My mother is very light skin. My father is very dark skin. So I don't know where it comes from, maybe more from my father's side, I, I imagine. But I am 49% native. It doesn't say, it says you're native of the, of the Americas, which I'm proud of it. You know, that means that, you know, I have more roots than some of the people that live in this country and want to keep people out. Um, it's true. 49%. I am 40% European, which, you know, I can imagine that's kind of an average, uh, which I'm surprising because actually I, it connected me with so many family members from my mother's side. Uh, because the DNA test is, you know, you, in this case, uh, uh, it connected to all these people. And I, family members that I didn't know, people that I didn't know that come actually from my mother's side, because I told you, I have many family here. Second cousins, third cousins, four cousins, four generations. It was amazing the number of people, thousands of thousands of people I'm connected in this country. Amazing. I was amazed by it. I was surprised by it. And, and the vast majority of them from my mother's side, Hondurans and all that, they have more European than native. It's like, I think, like 50, 60%. So that means that my mother is more European. And my father, of course, is more native. Proud of that. Proud of that. It was interesting to me. But what was really surprising is that when I'm looking at things, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be Spaniard. I realized that I didn't know that from all the percentage that were separated from being European, um, and of course, there's some percentage that they don't even know what it is. You know, they just tell you there. I was surprised to be there to realize that I was 7% German. And I was like blown away by it because I don't consider myself German. People look at me and they say, they don't see German in him. I don't see German in him. He, he, he's not the guy. I was surprised by it. But at the same time, it really struck me. And my, my wife actually revealed that to me. She kind of said, well, actually, that explains a lot from you in the sense that when I went back in school, when I was back in school, I took two years of German. I just was intrigued by the language. That was years ago, two years of German. So I speak a little bit of a German. I don't really speak it much. And I hardly remember a lot of things, but I do. I had two years of training and I love the language. I love it. And I love the culture. And I was intrigued by it. 7% German. And 
but I never knew why I did it. Even my dad was like, I don't know what you're doing, wasting your time with that language. That's not even a language that we care much about or you would care much about. But I was intrigued by it. And here I come to find out after so many years that I'm intrigued by the language and the culture because I have links towards Germany in the sense of the German cultures of Germanic culture. And it says it's very recent, like a maybe third, fourth generation or something like that. It's something recent. I didn't know that. But like I said, because in Mexico, whether in Central America, the idea of nationalistic boundaries erases history. You don't know where you come from. You don't know your ancestors. There's no database that you can go back and say, well, we can trace all the way back to this. I was intrigued by it. And it added more to that. 7%. Also came to find out, which I kind of knew, I kind of knew, but it was something so my parents were always on den in denial about it. My dad particularly, and I kind of knew that there was African in us, particularly on my dad's side. My daddy was in denial. I came to find out that I'm actually also, it was like also 7% African. You know, 7%, same as German, 7%. It was like there, I didn't know that. It was surprising. I thought it would be more, but 7%, still 7%. So then, and if you can trace a little farther down the road, I don't know exactly if it comes from my dad or my mom. I don't know. That's something that they have to do a DNA test as well and to find out, which I have to convince them to do that. But I was happy with that result in the sense that now I can explain it because I remember one time I had a conversation with my dad and I said, well, we have, I know we have African roots. And he was like, I don't think so. And he was actually arguing with me about it. It's like he didn't consider himself that because there's racism in Latin America as well. And people don't want to consider themselves black. Um, but knowing that, and accepting that it was an eye opener to really see that, yes, it's part of who we are. And being Mexican or being Latin or being Hispanic, however you, you want to call it, or being Hispanic American, it's more than just a national view. It's more than just trying to separate yourself from the crowd. It's just the reality of who we are. And Hispanics, we are not just one race that just do and behave one way. We are in so many different ways. We are in so many ways. A conglomeration of a lot of things because I get to find out that also I'm like a 1% Asian. I didn't know that, that actually 1% Mongolese Chinese, you know, like, or, you know, between somewhere in between the, because there's little percentages here and there, but that, that traced the roots all the way, like, I don't know, like eight, 10 generations. So that means that it was back in the day. I'm amazed by it. It's like, I can tell you, well, my DNA test came, it was like a, the, the, a map of the world. There were so many from Europe, from Latin America, from, you know, from Africa, North Africa, from Asia. You know, I was amazed by the things that I saw there. And I want to do a second test where from a different company because I want to compare, you know, because ultimately one can fail. There was Jewish roots. There were, it, it was everything. Everything. I was a mix. I was a month of, I'm a month of everything. And I'm take pride of it. And to me, that is what represents Hispanic Heritage Month. Because there's a lot of Hispanics that they can, every Hispanic that lives in this country, whether there's Puerto Rican, Cuban, uh, the San, or whether they come from the Dominican Republic, or you come from Spain, or you come from, even from Brazil, which they speak, you know, Latin, they're Latin, not Hispanic, because they don't speak Spanish. But everyone from every part of the world, Argentines, you know, Argentinians, uh, people from Venezuela, every country, they can all trace their roots back in some ways to so many different variants where there is, they can trace the roots back to Europe, to the native lands, to the natives in the land, also to Africa and so on and so on and so on. Being Hispanic is more than just 
being certain look coming from a different place, you know, from a country or have this idea of who you are. It's, it's, it's engraved in who you are. It goes beyond the race, uh, whether you're white, you're light skin, whether you're black, you also have roots there, whether, you know, you are Asian, because I'm telling you, you have friends and still, you know, there were Japanese descent, Korean descent. And even here in the United States, I met uh, Asian looking people, Asian, but they trace their roots back to a Latin American country. We are rich people full of rich history. And in so many ways, we have not embraced it. And some people will fight this month and say, well, we, why we celebrate this is because we have to celebrate who we are and what we have brought to the table for this nation and what we represent for this nation, a melting pot. We are the perfect representation of what America is. We are the melting pot. And I embrace every aspect of my culture and my countries and, and the places that I've been, but also my ancestry, my ancestry, the people that were before me that really are engraved in my DNA and who I am as a person, the way I represent myself, the way I express myself. I take pride of that. I take pride of every Hispanic that is part of my life. You know, I, I love this, what I do in my main channel. I talk about art all the time. I talk about comics and some of the best artists are the most Artists that have defined the, the medium in so many ways. You're talking about people like George Perez, for example, a proud Puerto Rican, you know, born in New York, the same as my, my wife. My wife is, is, a, is from is Puerto Rican descent. She was born in, uh, in, in New York, in Brooklyn, and she represents her Puerto Rican roots really well. And I'm telling you, it's that. It is the, the, the thing, you know, George Perez, you're talking about Jose Garcia Lopez, who is a Spanish uh, you know, artist that is so underrepresented in so many ways, but it's he's everywhere. And every art that you see over the years and everything that has to do with merchandise, everything that you see, uh, you don't know who the artist is, you're going to know it's Jose Garcia Lopez. Very underrated, but one that has been the most popular since the 70s. He's been popular with the character, you know, with Batman, with Superman, all of that. He is the guy. So you're talking about so many artists now, new artists like Jorge Jimenez, who is representing Spain, you know, he's phenomenal with DC. There's so many artists that are still shaping American conscious and subconscious of art and culture. You know, you're talking about the, the sculptors that I talk about, people like Eric Sosa, my good friend. He's also like, like I am. He's Mexican, born in Mexico, live in the U.S. You know, he is proud of his Mexican roots. I love what he's doing. I also love the, all the artists that are defining the medium around the world. A lot of Hispanic artists. You're talking about like... Emil Cardana Fong, he is Cuban, also I think Chinese descent, but uh, and he lives in Argentina, but he's been working with all these companies. Amazing work, he's working all over the world. You see people like Guillermo Barbiero from Argent Argentina, and there's so many are Argentinian artists that are defining the medium. And, and wherever you go, you're gonna see Hispanics. And being Hispanic is more than just being from a particular country. It's about who we are cultural-wise, all the things that we embrace, all the things that we represent, all the different combinations of cultures that actually makes us different in so many ways and very artistic-oriented because we have this combination. We have we share the same sensitivities, whether there is the African roots, whether there's the Spanish, you know, the European roots or the native roots, all of that combined into who we are as people. And we are rich people because of it culturally. And it's amazing. I take pride of who I am. I take pride of it. I embrace it. I am proud to be Mexican. I consider myself Mexican, but more, more than anything, I'm Hispanic. You know, I, I take pride of all the things and all the people that came before me, whether they're from Europe, from them, the native land, from, the, from Africa, from all of them, they have shaped and continue to shape my worldview 
and they will continue to shape the worldview of the generations to come, you know? And it's important that we embrace who we are. And now coming to the end of the podcast, because this has been a personal podcast, I am so pleased. I embrace my roots. I embrace who I am. I am proud of where we, we have accomplished as people in this nation, as Hispanics. Everywhere I go, whether I go to California, whether I go to Arizona, I have family there. When I go there and I see the landscape and I see the monuments and I see the name of the streets and I see the historical sites and I do see the food that people share. When I go to uh, Miami, when I go to Florida and I see the roots there and the landscape, the architecture, and I see the people. When I go to New York and I see the big community, Puerto Rican community, or I see the, you know, the, the, the New Yorkian community as it's known. Uh, Dominicans, where I go to all these parts of the country where there's big communities of Hispanics, I take pride of that because I know that it hasn't been easy for a lot of our people, particularly those that came before us. But ultimately, embracing who we are makes us stronger people, not to separate us from the rest, not to separate us from the American dream, not to separate us from to think ourselves, oh, we're not American, because some people think that that's the idea, that we try to separate ourselves from it. No. It's, we enrich the culture. We embrace the culture. And I'm telling you, most Mexicans or most Hispanics that I know over the years in this country, they are proud of living in this country. They love this country. They embrace the country. Many of them might not speak the language, but their children do. But they take pride of being in this country. They love this and they consider it home. And they have come to this place to enrich it. And, you know, yes, we might not understand it. Some of them, you might not understand them, you know, when they talk to you, but at the same time, embracing them is part of the psyche of America. It's what it makes America great. And I think that embracing people and their differences, not take it as an offense. Like some people do take this, oh, we're celebrating now Hispanics, but we don't celebrate Caucasians. I heard that too. People take it as an offense. They take it personally as an insult. It is not. It's about embracing that. You know, many of uh, many of you and many of people that have no lick of Hispanic roots. They enjoy the things that Mexican-Americans have done for this country. They definitely love to go to Taco Bell, <laughs> even though Taco Bell is not a Mexican thing, but it's a, Me- it's a Mexican-American thing. You know, it was actually, a, a, in this case, a white person that came up with that because he saw somebody doing it and Mexicans doing it and said, let's do it. And, of course, they came this combination. I love to go to Chipotle. I love Taco Bell. I have no problem with it. You know, and it's part of what Mexico is. And Mexicans, you know, Mexicans, Latin Americans, Hispanics all over the world have really shaped and enriched this culture and they continue to do so. So I embrace it. I embrace it. You know, I do some of the art that you see here right behind it, Hispanics sculpted. Some of the, the art that you see behind me on the comics, Hispanics draw it. So ultimately they're part of the American dream and they're part of my dreams and they're part of who I am as a person. And definitely, even though you might not accept it, or even though some of you might not see it, it's also part of you, even when you have no blood, no link to Latin America. My friends, God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're doing this on YouTube, don't forget to like, to comment, and to subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're listening to the different platforms, uh, you can come to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let me know what you think about the podcast. You can share it also with your friends through social media. Also, consider supporting the channel financially and the podcast financially through Patreon. My friends, God bless you. Take care, and I will talk to you again. Bye-bye.